Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing. Since it's November, I'm doing Night of Movies, aka my look at Night of the Creeps, Night of the Demons and tonight's one, Night of the Living Dead. The granddaddy of all zombie movies, no not Rob. The great granddaddy, uh, great granddaddy, great granddaddy being a white zombie again, not Rob Zombie from 1931, I believe. Now, I'm not going to enter this a low budget and black and white nightmare myself. Oh no, I have a guest who is no stranger to a low budget. Dave Hastings is a director of indie hits uh, such as House of Screaming Death, Sustain, and uh, You Are My Sunshine. Hello. <laughs> This is going to get really confusing because you've got a very broad Scottish accent and I've got a very broad Birmingham accent. Yeah, so it's going to be very, very interesting. This is, people are going to be <laughs> subtitles from all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my audience should be used to my accent by now. And anyway, moving on. I asked you on here to give me your view on low budget filmmaking and how hard it is to get a movie. Uh, made, let alone kick off a whole new genre, as George Romero did. Okay. I mean, must I mean, be... and how long is this podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, sure, go for it. I, it's, um, I have no hair usually these days, because that's how stressful it kind of gets, but, but it's, it's fun at the same time, so. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, the, one of my DVDs I have on this, Night of the Dead, it there's a special feature thing on it. It's an hour and 40 minute documentary called Documentary of the Dead. And on it, George Romaro discusses it with the producer and the writer how impossibly hard this movie was to get made. Because they thought they would have $9,000 and make this movie on the fly. But they found out quick smart that they knew they needed at least $100,000 to make this thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, to be to be fair, he did better than I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's still doing better than I have. I think it was. Um, God, I'm trying to think. What the, the initial budget was like six thousand dollars, wasn't it? Or something? Yeah, six to nine thousand. Yeah, it was the original yeah. budget. Yeah, and that blown yeah. to one hundred and forty-five. I think it was one hundred forty-four, one hundred and forty-five. So definitely in the free figure. So yes, yes, yes. So the, reason why, so the reason why I asked on is I've been accused of knowing absolutely nothing of film, which is true, uh, and, just nitpick, yes, and just nitpicking and sucking the fun out of a movie. Again, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what we do anyway? Isn't that the whole point? Yes, that's the whole bloody point. It's being critical, yeah. you know. And I'm with it right now. I am not a fan of zombie movies at all. I'm, I, not, a fan of, I'm not a fan of zombies that run, especially when they can run better than I can and I'm alive. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't like the blood, the guts type of horror. I'm more of a suspenseful horror person or a, a ghost story sort of horror person. I'm not a great fan of zombies and ripping the flesh and the, the blood and the guts and the vileness, you know. But if I didn't cover this movie, I wouldn't hear the end of it. So just board up those windows, bolt the doors and load up on weapons. This'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, with its 114 million, sorry, million, thousand, rather. Yeah, somebody got off with some money there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'll start that sentence again then. <laughs> but, uh, with a $114,000 budget, this thing pulled in 30 million and a new genre was born. 
plus with an African American lead, walls were torn down. Yeah. So I think I think I think I think personally, I think if it wasn't for that social commentary, it probably wouldn't have done as well. No. But no. I think that's that that social commentary. I mean, you know how important that is because we are still talking about it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's, what I mean? It's 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 and and to be honest as well, I remember I do remember the first time I ever watched this film, and being kind of like just almost like in awe of it. It's because it's a strange film, really. There's no, you know, it's not like the Dawn of the Dead remake that Zack Snyder did, where things are blowing up and people are being. It's it's just very. It just creeps up on you. Mm-hmm. It's probably the yeah. best way to describe. It. And the more it creeps up on you, the more unsettling it is. And and that's without. You know, very you know, splashy special effects and stuff and everything and and stuff. It's more about um, the storyline and the content and and the, the themes going on throughout it. And to be fair, the themes going on in throughout it are actually more horrific than the zombies themselves. I always find. I think that's where he tapped into it really. Romero did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's another documentary I watched on Shudder called Black Noir: The History of Black Cinema. And we're saying that um, if it wasn't for Dwayne Jones, that's his name, yes, that's his name, yeah, um, this movie would not have, have took off as it was it did because the whole thing was, the whole civil rights thing was just a, a powder keg to explode. And to have this African-American lead was a huge step forward. So, so it was massively, con- well, it was potentially controversial as well in 1968, of course. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. you, you would not have... As horrible as it sounds, you'd have complete could just be composed of white actors. Mm-hmm. So to have a, a a you know a man of colour and to have that person be the same one of everybody because he is, he's he's very calm, he's very distinguished in it, he's very resourceful, he's he's mm-hmm. completely ahead of everybody else who are panicking and stuff. It's just I I, I absolutely love the character and it's and the reason why it's so powerful towards the end is because you do give a damn about him. Yes. And stuff. Yes. Mero crafts him as a very intelligent person, and he's and it's just that he nearly gets out. He nearly gets out. He nearly gets away with it. He he nearly gets you know away in his life. He's saved so warm. I've been, and it's just that ending, and it's just it's it's a gut wrenching, which is ironic because that's pretty much what happens to him in the sense if you look at the pictures at the end, it's awful. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? the, the gut punch ending. Yeah, the, yeah, the no happy it, ending for you sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. You feel that potentially because you just care about him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah although in saying that he isn't an absolute angel i mean there's a bit in it where he punches barbara in the face and knocks her out cold yeah. so he's yeah. not like this perfect person you know he's yeah. a flawed human being and i think that's why this movie works also he is a human being he's not this perfect person you know yeah and i i i think as well i i, I get very attached to flawed human beings in that mm-hmm. respect, in film, I, I'm far more in, interested in a character that is thrust into extraordinary circumstances and doesn't get out of it scot-free, doesn't get out of it. it you know, it's not a happy ever after. There's, there might be some kind of resolution, but that character is never going to be the same ever again. And yeah. I find that I find that incredibly interesting. And that's something that I do in the films that I do. I always try and, you know or the ripples, you know, the repercussions of something. And, and in this film, it, it works in this film as well. You know, you've, you've got the, the zombies are almost an afterthought in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you have the the bullying husband. Um, yeah. What's this guy's name again? I've got my notes somewhere. What the hell is his name? 
Yeah. Where the hell did that? What the hell's his name? I've lost his bloody name now. Uh, oh yes, Harry. Harry and his Harry. wife. Yeah, Harry is just such a a little man who was looking for a zombie apocalypse to to happen. You know, he wanted the power. Harry and yeah. Helen. There you go. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Harry's a horrible character. And, and the thing is, Harry is. In a sense, again, that's also coming to is everything that was wrong with what dominated society at the time was just that bashfulness that, you know, unable to comprehend that actually other people have got, you know, ideas and how to escape and things like that. And mm. that, that other people can do extraordinary things, even if they're not white, in a sense. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, but yeah, Harry does actually say, how are we going to get out of here? We've got two women three women uh, one of our mind uh, and a girl to carry are you going to carry my girl I'm like you're a complete arsehole just die already <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, it is quite satisfying when he does go as well. yeah 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 <laughs> but anyway before I dive in deeper into this one I'll do a quick plot summary because um, okay, I've yeah. got to do the plot summary <laughs> anyway let me see so starring Dwayne Jones Judith O'Day O'Day Carol Hardman Marilyn Eastman and Judith Ridley Directed by George A. Romaro, the plot, a small group of ragtag survivors hold up in a farmhouse fight off a horde of undead. Outside as inside, they have to fight racism and sexism. Can the walking undead be stopped? Will the group band together? And is this the greatest zombie movie ever made? Let us find out here. So, I've got a quick plot somebody there. The first thing I want to talk about is the complete reverse of... Um, of uh, oh God, I've got a guess name now. Um, ah, I should put his bloody name down. Of Dwayne Jones's character, that being a Barbara. Yeah. Well, she's you, a- you, you she's set up as the final girl in a sense. You you follow her at the very beginning. I mean, you know, Ben doesn't come into it until about fifteen minutes into it, and it's quite weird in a sense because you've established her, you know, Barbara as as the the main character, mm-hmm. and it's quite weird because as the film goes on, she kind of sleeps seeps more in more into the background in a sense yeah yeah like i says is barbara played by judith o'day is she the tibihedron of the story i.e in the birds the birds attack because tibihedron's there and he's always attacking because she's there you know um <laughs> that, that might be one for the film students or somebody to pick up for the- <laughs> i was thinking yeah. it myself well, maybe you should do a PhD on it, though. <laughs> 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 somebody might not have actually wrote about it before. You might have picked up on something there. Mm. So, mm. And I've been waiting to see this all year. I'm coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Halloween, too, the other day. I saw it the other day. It was on Halloween, too. So mm. I was watching yeah. it the other day. It's always in the background on that film, so you always get it either way. Yeah. I love the fact that this movie is always in every single horror film because it's it's yep. um public domain i just love the fact every single horror film has this thing playing a background it's, like, I mean, to, be, to be fair as well it's always that one bit and to, be, to to the credit of the filmmakers you know they always pick the the most chilling part of it you mm. know they're coming to get your barb and stuff and the thing is even if you don't see it on screen you know exactly what that's from what mm. that film is which is the power of this film in a sense it's like it's got these iconic kind of lines and yes scenes yes. and stuff and that have kind of embedded themselves into popular culture so much. Yeah, yeah. Although, in saying that, as I said earlier, uh, Ben goes from being a sort of struggling survivor to leader, whereas 
Barbara goes from, I don't know, I'm guessing a spoiled little brat to a completely useless basket case who spends most of the time either screaming or catatonic, you know? Um, it's almost um, like she goes back in, in age, doesn't she, in a mm, sense? Because she, yeah. she does, like I like you say, in the middle of the film, she's almost a very scared child, you know, and you know, and that kind of like constantly, you know, almost, almost in a sense, stuck in a film. So it's mean she doesn't in the film, but you could almost kind of accept that happening if you if it happened. Yeah, well, she sits in and sucks on her hair, yeah. which is a common stress thing. But I'm thinking to myself, you're a full grown woman. Why are you such a complete basket case? I mean, yes, you were attacked by a zombie. Yes, you were, a, and fair enough, your brother's possibly dead. But for the entire movie, for about 40 minutes of this movie, you do it nothing but just stare into space, you know, or be knocked out by Ben. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or everybody else, or just kind of cry and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I you know, I, um, I I think she's got a fantastic kind of performance in it. I, I think it's, um, like you say, I think it's something that the, the film study students can pick up on and stuff. I usually try, and, when, I, when I've showed this film in the past, we do kind of get onto this role reversal that happens. Um, but then maybe that was maybe that was the point all along, is that you, you start with a very strong female character and maybe that was what Ramiro's point was all along, that Actually, by making her very strong at the beginning, and then she kind of completely falters, it places greater emphasis on Ben's character than his resourcefulness. Yeah, it could be. It could be, yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of the way I've kind of always saw it. Was that it's it's it kind of highlights his resourcefulness more, you know, in terms of the culture and his status as a person and the color of his skin and stuff. It actually emphasizes it even more and makes him even more, you know, yeah. strong as a character. Because she just falters away, and you know what I mean, everybody else. Yeah, she, falls to, she falls to pieces. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, Romaro says Ben's originally written as a white man, so it was quickly and changed very slightly to be an African American person. So that would have been interesting if they, if they kept the script original and just had had to be a black man, you know, or an African American actor. That would have been more interesting. Actually, changing the script to suit the the actor. I mean, yeah. The, they do so that Dwayne um, was the best actor of the 20 men they saw. So yeah. why change the script? Why not just keep it as the original script? But anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's fair, but maybe, you know what I mean? I mean, Ramiro was always, you know, he was always very much on his social commentary. I mean, if you look at the subsequent films, I mean, Dawn of the Dead features a very prominent black man. Do you know what I mean? And again, he's the, the level-headed one. He's mm-hmm. the one that's, you know, very kind of like on the ideas and he's, he knows what to do and he looks after everybody else and things like that. So he was always tapping into something. And again, Day of the Dead features, you know, very strong characters as well. Yes. Maybe he was just way ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah, he was. I yeah. think he was. So. Yeah, he was. Uh, one thing that really pissed off about this movie, however, is there's no explanation as how the dead are arising. Because they talk about Oh, scientific experimentation went wrong. They talk about radiation from Venus. They talk about a, a space probe. Satellite. A satellite, yeah, whatever. A space probe satellite sort of thing exploded in the atmosphere. But yeah. which one is it? <laughs> you know? I, I like to think that it, it's, uh, I suppose, the, the confusion of the news, isn't it, really? You have conflicting reports coming all over the shop. and I, like, I mean, I, I kind of like the mystery behind it, in a sense. It's like there's no clear answer to why it's actually happening, which is 
you know, with these kind of things, that's all the more scary that I find. Um, mm. If you don't have an explanation, I mean, me and you have spoke numerous times about, you know, you start explaining your serial killer motivations and it makes them less scary and stuff. I suppose if you play that yeah. in this kind of scenario, it is literally the zombies, these, the dead just come back to life. That's absolutely yeah. terrifying because there's no warning for it. They literally just come back to life. There's no warning. We adapt to it and not very well, but we we try to adapt to it. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So and that's quite that's quite frightening. And again, and again, like I said earlier, it's that kind of the adds to that creepiness, that ever evolving creepiness, kind of throughout the film. And that's I think that's what makes it very effective. Mm. Mm. As I said earlier, the documentary I watched, the documentary of the dead talks about how they had 10 investors each putting in $600, therefore giving them $6,000, thinking that would make the movie, until they got to the co- the camera costs, which was $12,000 to rent the cameras and a sound equipment for this. So the joys of low-budget filmmaking there. <laughs> you know? well, to be fair, mate, they've still got more money than I've ever had. So, <laughs> mm. so mm. That's, a pipe, that's a pipe dream for me, that is. Yeah, so. and the reason why it was, it was filmed in black and white because it was cheaper than using colour film. So, yeah. and, and again, like you know, stylistic choices at the time, you just go, "Oh, we need to do that because we can't afford color." But actually, I, I don't think I could ever watch Noise of the Living Dead in color. No, no. I think I think it's it's thematically it works better as a black and white film. You've got your good guys and your bad guys. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Thematically, it works a lot. Better. I think it's you know when when you watch the night scenes and the you know they're not very well lit and stuff or they're often to use the fire off the nearby car to kind of light the scene and stuff which is a proper indie movie thing to do um mm. not that I've, i haven't done that by the way so just a car and fire just to light a scene but you mm. know obviously these guys you know god did things like that and i i from a filmmaking perspective i really appreciate that because i know people would have worked three times as hard to make that work, to make those shots work with very little. Mm. Um, so I really appreciate films like this because you can tell that it's not, it's not something where somebody's going, oh, well, we can just CG in it, after, CG in it afterwards and stuff. And you go, no, that's that's just lazy. You know, do the stuff on set, do it in camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing about, oh, we'll do it in post. No, yeah. do it in camera. Uh, yeah. We have, yeah. We have a rule that's never said on set, that isn't. Yeah. Although the one thing I found really annoyed about this movie is the music and the sound effects they use is weird. Really? It doesn't fit the, the, the mood of the music. The, the music, the mood of the movie for me, and that annoying chirping cricket that thought it was eaten by a zombie. <laughs> I was like, kill that fucking cricket. <laughs> you know. But yeah, the music doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work. And the whole bit with the mother is in the basement getting killed by her daughter, the zombie finds daughter with, with the troll. That screaming, what the hell was that? Was that a seagull? <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> was that? Maybe this is the one that was after to be headroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the robotic it's just ones. flying through. It's just flying through. Mm. One thing I do find interesting, the car that Barbara and her brother Johnny, um, the I'm going to get you, Barbara, person, uh, Barbara is played by Russell Striner. Anyway, that was actually the mother of one of the producers and between the day shoot and the night shoot uh, there was a couple of days uh, between the shoots and apparently there was a car crash which is why Barbara smashes into a tree <laughs> wow I did not know that actually mm. that, again that's low budget filmmaking yeah. for you yeah that's low budget <laughs> film, films for you you're doing it for the seat of your pants you know so yeah, yeah you just sit in the car and try not to crash anything and <laughs> I just love that one yeah yeah and I should mention this is the 
The first zombie that Barbara attacks is played by S. William Heinzman, who wanted to play a zombie in Flesh Eater and The Crazies, etc. Et so I think he was typecasted then. <laughs> well, you know, if you can get the work, then why not? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. If, she, if it pays the bills, I guess, then why not? Mm. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like the fact that you've just mentioned his name means that he's infamous for all the time now. You know, yeah. so I, I mean, I've had this chat with actors before. It's you know where like they've they've you know I've said, well, would you rather have one role that defines you forever, and as well as having other roles, or would you rather just spend your life just gaining roles and stuff? And a lot of them have always said, well, it'd be lovely to have a defining role, something that people remember you by, mm-hmm. as because then it in, it kind of encourages them to then look on IMDb and see what else you've done. So yeah, I don't get that with most actors. Like the Bond actors, for instance. Oh, I don't want to be typecast as Bond. Uh, you're Bond, you know. You're going to go down history as one of the Bonds. Yeah, Same yeah. with Doctor Who. Oh, I don't want to be typecast as Doctor Who. Why did you take yeah. a role then? It's an iconic role. Yeah, it, it does. Mean, it does. Uh, sometimes it boggles the mind. But. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a job, but you've got the the, the crushing irony. Oh no, the the, the, the irony um, of this this role. Yeah. So. There we have it. Uh, on to Ben, played by Dwayne Jones, as I said, who Romaro said was the best actor for the role. Yeah. Uh, but he changed the script to suit the actor, which I wouldn't have done. I would have kept the script exactly what it was. So mm. I don't know because, like, when I've, I mean, we we yeah, filmmaking is always a process of collaboration and stuff, and sometimes you know whether you can get a location or not if a location falls through you end up changing stuff and most of the time in, in my experience touchwood so far is that when that happens it happens for the better okay if you know what i mean it's like it's almost like it's, it's serendipitous in a sense that you know you, these things happen for a reason uh, at the right time at the right moment and i just i don't know if I, sometimes i can i can agree with that it's like he might have gone actually i'm going to change the script to suit this actor because it's it feels better you know it feels yeah. right and stuff i mean I, like i said some people don't agree with that and stuff but then the experience i've had on film sets is that if we change something or we've had to change something chances nine times out of ten it's actually worked and made a scene better or a whole film better hmm. in a sense. Okay. so so I, I like kind of these kind of little stories behind the scenes and stuff because it kind of makes you go oh well maybe we're doing something right then i guess as <laughs> well if we're doing the same kind of thing but so, okay. Like I said, this is why I had you on here because I was just sitting, pick the whole thing, going, did it, some guy from his bedroom saying blah 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 blah. I haven't a clue about about film producing or filmmaking. So interesting uh, perspective. <laughs> right. I mean, like I say, it's not it's not a definitive one in, in, in any sense of the word. It's just from just talking from experience. It's just that from from what we've kind of gathered on set is that these kind of things happen for reasons, and it's nice to think that somewhere. 50 plus years ago this was happening as well in this film and that's why mm. you know these these decisions were made without any kind of you know knowledge of what was going to happen in the future and it it just happened it worked mm. and we're talking about it today yeah so. yeah another interesting fact i found was Dwayne is the world's first black leading man predating the black exploitation movies by a good two to three years i believe because it's 70 71 the black exploitation um, um, vibe kicked in. Yeah, I'm not sure the date on the top of my head, but it's probably around then. Yeah. So if it wasn't for this movie, do you think we'd have had this whole black exploitation thing, the Blackular and Shaft and uh, Foxy Brown and such? I think, I think 
I think you would have done. I think maybe they might have come a little bit later, maybe. But I, I think it would have happened eventually because it's just um, how sighted was at the time, and, and you know, and the the, um, the civil rights movement and things like that. It was it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Whether or not this film helped kind of usher it in a bit quicker, I, I'm not the one to say. Um, but you know, it's it's nice to think that it could have had a part in doing that, and and anything anything that get art to talk about these issues and you know confront social issues that need discussing and so much then by all means i support that 110 percent yeah you know yeah. if it gets people talking and it, it helps make change or it helps make a point or a statement then my god you 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 do it you do mm. it that's the, art's the only way you can get this stuff out these days so. yeah, exactly Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the farmhouse, which was getting torn down a few weeks before it was scouted out. Therefore, the owner says, do you want this this house? It's getting torn down. So they had to add the basement. They didn't have a basement. So the whole basement subset thing was built (laughs) on the set sort of thing under under a house, I believe. So that was North northeast of Evans City was it near a park or so if I remember right I'm trying to think I'm just looking at my notes <laughs> I, 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 I didn't actually that, I, didn't I bet you I said your house had no no basement so that was a whole purposely built set sort of thing so it's yeah. quite funny for us lot really in the UK because we don't have basements anyway pretty much most of the time no, so for, no. for, us, that's, for us that's a luxury <laughs> yeah that's a luxury yeah yeah. Another interesting piece of information I found. Uh, the crew slept at night in the farmhouse to save money. And Romaro came up with the whole idea of the flesh eating creatures off the top of his head one night after a few beers, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, and apparently he slept next to the the zombie, fake zombie corpses, the one with the, 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 the eyeballs, with the ping pong eyeballs. So there we are. And they obviously with black and white as well, it. It helps if you're limited by a budget or special effects. I think it was um, chocolate syrup drizzled. Mm-hmm. It was tro- chocolate syrup was just kind of, you know, draped all over members' bodies and stuff. And I think, if I remember right, the, the flesh consisted of roasted ham. Yes, and stuff. yes. And then smells were donated by one of the actors. Or I think it was a local butcher shop or something. Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a note on that. They say on documentary, it's not actual real like spleens and, and hearts and such, but it is. It's actual real kidneys and it, a real it's liver. Okay. It's yeah, if it's from a butcher shop, it's going to be it's selling fake. Yeah, yeah. So that poor guy bent a real liver. <laughs> and he thought, he thought it was fake. So there we are. Um, there's one thing I found interesting. How did Ben know zombies were afraid of fire? Um... Maybe he was just watching the civil rights riots on the television and stuff and thinking all these... <laughs> yeah, maybe fire, maybe fire's got a point. Maybe we'll just do it that way. Um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those lovely little plot devices that helps us get a fantastic entry in the film. Mm-hmm. So, I will say something slightly controversial here. All the zombies are white, I believe. Which is... I think Rove can remember with me, but I mean, there was definitely different ages. Yes, the different ages, yeah, yeah. But so most... so they, they, they weren't ages, I suppose, if you were good for that respect. Um, do you know what? I'm thinking about it now, I can't actually remember. I only really watched this like, I really watched this like the other night. I was too busy making notes and everything else. Um, yeah, I was, I was watching this song and I'm thinking, there's, there's no colour of people of colour 
undead. They're all white. So is that another thing to attack the black man in the house? Or am I well, reading maybe, too much into this? <laughs> maybe that is a social commentary again. Because if you go back to, you know, Southern American stuff and you've got the KKK and, mm-hmm. you know, lynch mobs and stuff. I mean, in a sense, you could look at that as if, you know, the, the zombies are a metaphorical lynch mob in a sense coming to get the bad man mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Was a horrendous kind of thing that happened in in um, the history of America. It was, it's terrible. That kind yeah. of stuff is. And again, art is trying to make a point by metaphorically, you know, alluding to it. Essentially, mm. you could say. So. Yeah, true, true. Although, think about it, the very end movie, he's killed by a lynch mob. So, yep. mm, what happened and, there? <laughs> and, and burned. Yeah, he's he's yeah, yeah he's burned alive. Well, not alive, he'd be shot, but he was burned. Yeah, yeah. One other thing that's like pissed me off about this movie: where does the wood come from? Ben has dozens of shards of wood, yet there's only about one table and a couple of well, chairs maybe, in the house. Maybe they knew the the place was being taken down after the filming, so he just kind of started <laughs> chipping away. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Met a plot point. Mm. Start chipping away. Oh well, it's good in a few weeks anyway. I may as well start taking it home for somebody now. So, yeah, true. Just enough, enough so the zombies don't get in. But yeah, the one people, <laughs> another thing that pissed me off: the people in the basement don't hear all this hammering and smashing up stuff. And I'm going, what? And also, there's a zombie inside the house that clearly ate the woman up the stairs. The one that Barbara finds and she freaks out at. Well, attacks her and Ben kills him and throws him at the window, to, uh, at the door to get set in fire. How did that? Zombie not attack the people in the basement. I mean, am I being too nitpicky here? <laughs> I was having a sleep. I don't know. It was just felt. Oh, it's just it had done too much attacking that day and decided to have a nap. Because zombies have to work on an eight-hour shift as well. I'm sure they have to do shifts. So mm. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe it's just a shift pattern they do. Uh, <laughs> they got to yeah. do it now with all this running they do. They must be doing it now because all this running they do is be unions for zombies or something. Mm. Mm. I do love the fact that George Romero actually had zombie walking classes on his set. He didn't want the whole hands-out stuff. Uh, he wanted walking like you're an actual dead person. Like you couldn't move certain limbs and such, and you were very stiff and very awkward. Unlike the the classes, the classic uh, stuff, you know. I well, find that quite interesting. I've been around a few towns of the UK that that happens on, so that, that's that's <laughs> that's yeah, um, it's, it's I, not too far off reality to be fair. So. Glasgow City Centre at two two thirty in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I've been to Glasgow. Glasgow is lovely. Thank you very much. I shall have you know. I've been to Glasgow. It's lovely. I don't yeah. know what you say about. Mind you, you've never been to Warsaw, so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No. No. That's that's very true. No. No. Trust me. I've spent forty years in Glasgow. I know the bad side of Glasgow. <laughs> anyway, I want to see you. So finally, thirty three minutes into an hour and thirty five minute movie, we get an explanation as. Ben finally turns on the bloody radio. That the recent, <laughs> yeah, I love this one. The recent dead are arising to attack and kill the living. Thirty-three minutes. I mean, I'm going, what the fuck? I mean, it be, uh, oh, that just annoyed me. I was like, no, this is just doing my fucking head. And it take, because she's in the car, going, oh my god, the radio's back on in the car. She should know the fucking radio's. Oh, moving on. This is why I can't stand Barbara. She's a fucking idiot. <laughs> No, she's very resourceful at the beginning. Give her that. You've got to give her a joke. She's very resourceful at the beginning. Uh, what she uh, but I mean, she puts the car and takes the handbook off the car and slides it into a, into a tree. So, was that resourceful? Okay, maybe, uh, not, maybe not then. Maybe not. 
And she, she, was resor- she was resourceful enough to organise a trip to go to visit a grave. So Yes, that's true. Yeah, a six-hour drive there and back. Yeah, I love that yeah. one. It's my dad's, my dad's grave. Yeah, six hours. Bloody sweat. <laughs> I just love that one. Um, <laughs> and after being hours of being knocked out, and God bend must have some strong backhand, Barbara comes to and finds radio on. So they govern is to stay inside and lock all doors windows and arm up. Oh, you think? I mean... <laughs> You've got like <laughs> hundreds of zombies chasing after you. Ah, it was fine. I can outwalk these, you know. <laughs> yeah, just outwalking be fine. I'd be alright. I, I, I don't know. I, as much. I mean, you, you can pick apart any film really to prepare, but I think I think you know with what they had and the budget that they had and the resources they had and and coming from an indie background myself, the, the fact that these films exist, you know, it's it's just a a, a triumph on a production level. And technical level, really, and an acting level. You know, it's just it's 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 a generally quite creepy film, I find. And I think mm. the 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 black and white adds to it, I think easily. And and just uh, I mean, sometimes with the soundtrack, for instance, as well. Like when you when you don't have sound and and, and music on it, you just hear nothing. It's mm. you know when it's at noise and stuff, you can hear the crickets, yeah. But that's that's it. It's almost like there's nothing there. And like you'll hear the fire and stuff. Do you know what I mean? You might hear the flames and stuff in the distance and that's it and it, it just makes it a very very barren landscape almost mm-hmm. in a sense which i think really kind of you know um elevates the film i think it always has done ever since really it's just it's beautifully made there's a lot of things that that work in the film there's a few things that don't work obviously like we've discussed a few bits and bobs here there but mm-hmm. but overall it's a, a a fantastic film and it's such an important film in terms of you know, social commentary and and these themes of, of racism and stuff. I mean, look where we are today with Brexit and stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's never gone away. You know, yes, and, and the, the Trump America. Yes, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 as much as we don't want them to be themes that can be easily recognised today, they are. And this film is very good at, at kind of stripping away these horrible kind of you know ideologies in a sense the you know this horrible racism and stuff that we have to put up with and all this shit from people from you know trump and everything and stuff mm. and it you know it exposes them in a sense mm-hmm. and that's what that's what the best art should do is expose the flaws in society and 50 odd years afterwards this film is still doing that yes exactly exactly i mean i'm, I'm guessing this harry person is your atypical at the time american you know who was very racist, but no, 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 I'm not racist. I'm just a, a, a traditionalist. Uh, no, mate, you're a racist, and very because he's yeah, also very sexist. Yeah, uh, he he says, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. my wife's a, a blubbering idiot. She's a she's a basket case sort of stuff. I'm going, you're an arsewipe, <laughs> you know. Can you imagine, of, if imagine, imagine if his daughter came out as lesbian. Jesus, he would have gone through the roof. Oh dear God. Speaking of which, let's get into the basement people. Let's see, da, 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 da. what the hell were they doing down there? By the way, were they knitting? I mean, because it's happy for a movie and the final come up from the basement. What the fuck were they doing down there for crying out they, loud? Well, look through it, they were just sitting there, weren't they? Just kind of mm. thinking they enjoyed it out in a sense and just thinking, well, nobody will find us down here if we just maybe give it a few days or something and it'll all kind of, you know, the undead mm. will just go back to being dead, I guess, and stuff. And yeah, I can go back to work and be a racist knob and stuff like that and stuff. So, But then obviously it doesn't happen like that. And um, No, no, no. So them are Harry, played by Carol Hardman. He was a producer that gave the sound equipment. So he was given a 
meaty role uh, as your basic bog standard blowhard. His wife is Helen, played by Marilyn Eastman. She's a makeup artist uh, mm-hmm. in, real, in real life, actually. And she's plays your stereotypical bored housewife. And yep. then we have Tom, played by Keith Wayne, and his girlfriend, Judy, played by Judith Ridley. And uh, I, you know, I really like them two as well. Yes, yes. They, they are complete polar opposites to Harry and, and Helen to a certain extent. They, mm-hmm. they I, to be fair, thinking about it, they, they are almost the, the, um, the next generation revolution in that film. And it's a, yes. shame that they get, it's a shame they get killed off because they are far more accepting of Ben. There's a lovely sweet little scene between the two of them where they're, they're making the, the Molotov cocktails and what's his name? What the hell is his name again? Tom says to his girlfriend, give me a smile. Where's your smile? It likes me up my day. And I went, no, oh, that's kind of cute, actually, kind of sweet. Unlike Harry, who's just a complete arsehole to his wife, and his wife's <laughs> like, eh, you're just an be Hitler sort of stuff. Yeah, oh, I, sh- I should say, Judith Ridley, who played Judy, was George Romaro's secretary at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, and, it's, it's, yeah, it's an indie film, mate. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, yeah, finally, we have Karen, played by Kira Sean, who's Carol Hardman's actual daughter. So there we have it, it's nepotism. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, it's the end of the world. So yeah, well, that's true. That's very true. But again, uh, that's yeah, that's that's quite a chilling performance, especially with a, a child as well, in a sense. Yeah, I think she was about nine or ten, I believe. Yeah, and um, it's horrible because she does like literally just kill her mother. And her father, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the fear of the young people uprising and stuff mm. and everything. So, you know, it's not like it's not like Romero is being one-sided of all this. He's kind of trying to be quite balanced in trying to accommodate everybody's views at the time, I guess, which is these young people today coming around and revitalising society and caring about one another. We can't have any of this, so... <laughs> no, no, we can't. Okay. One thing I found really annoying is there's a whole five-minute scene of Harry bickering with Ben constantly, and he keeps on saying, we have to get a gun out, he's, he's insane, he's going to get us all killed. He's got to... I'm going, you're a complete arsehole, all you want to do is hide in your little bunker, hide away from the fact that people need help. I mean, what the hell is he doing? He let Barbara scream for five minutes solid, and all the hammering and banging and such, and he does absolutely nothing hmm. in this movie, except act like a complete dick and get killed by his daughter. So well, maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe that was yes. the point. Of, you, you highlight how insecure he is as a you know a middle-aged white man and how much of a horrible racist kind of sob he is piece of shit as well. And then, like I said earlier, it kind of it it, it, it mirrors, not mirrors, it kind of completely juxtapositions against Ben's character, who is resourceful, who is fantastic, and he you know he's very independent. He's he's mm-hmm. brave. You know, and he does everything he can to. I mean, he even, you know, if you think about it, Ben even tries to help Harry, helps his family and stuff. Yes. And he's being treated like absolute shit by Harry, and yet he still tries to help him. Yeah. So Although, what, yeah, what I do love about Ben is he's also no nonsense. I mean, when yeah. Barbara's going off the deep end, he's going, could you just do something, go and get some wood, you know, focus, yeah. do something. Yeah. Sitting there, staring at a space, you ditzy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, halfway through the movie, the zombies attack. 
with Ben and Tom fighting him off and Harry runs for his life because he's a shitbag. I mean, yeah. that guy worked my last nerve. I was like, just die already. <laughs> you know? <laughs> was you happy when he died then? Kind of, yes, but I wanted to see how he died. And he gets <laughs> shot in the guts and he's, next thing you see him, his daughter's eating his arm off. How did she kill him? As you, well, I don't think I think he just died a slow and horrible, painful death. If it hit him in the stomach, he would have been quite painful and stuff. So, I suppose okay. in a sense, she could, if, if that helps you in your enjoyment of his death, I guess, if you want to add anything off screen, he mm. got shot in the stomach and it probably was a very painful and agonizing slow death. Yeah, I suppose that's and true. Then, and then an afterthought, and a colder was that his daughter then started eating his arm, which probably wouldn't have been nice as well. So. Mm, yeah, true, true. Although interesting thought, but he gets shot point blank with that rifle, so it must have caused some serious damage to the stomach. So okay then, yeah. agony yeah. death for you, you tit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, yet more than fighting, and I swear to God, if this happened in reality, this is what would happen: humans would infight horrendously, and the zombies would just take over. You know, because <laughs> we may be a, a tribal society, but we're a bunch of fucking arseholes. We're all of, all for yeah. ourselves and our small little groups and little cliques. Society would just crumble if something like this would happen. It's not it's not that far from happening now. I mean, if you walk around and people are constantly just looking down at their phones and stuff, and it's horrible because it's like, mm. look up. You've got a whole world around you, look up. Look up mm-hmm. at the world around you and stuff. So don't be kind of like sucked into your mobile phone screen and stuff. I mean, we're all guilty of it. I mean, I've walked around the last few days having to put my beard down in my phone, so I've been doing stuff. But mm. I do try and, con- you know, consciously kind of sit up and just look around and go, right, there's a world around me here. And mm-hmm. if anybody needs me, I'm on, I'm on silent mode, so I'll look at it when I get back. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a few people walking into traffic and you're going, what the oh. fuck? Put the phone... Hello? Yeah, yeah. I lost yeah. you there, I'm going to put the phone down. You're going to walk into a bus, a taxi, yeah. a fucking yeah. Deliveroo yeah. person, you know? I, I think it's happened here recently. I think around here, people just walked into traffic and it's, you know, been knocked over by a car, which is horrendous. Mm. So, mm. yes, it's an absolute joke. Let me see. Oh, yes. Finally, at the 55 minute mark of an hour and a half movie, and my God, this movie drag. I'm sort of, this movie drags. It's like, can we get on with it already? The plot finally kicks back in as Ben gets a TV to work. And here, yeah. tell us exactly what they told us 10 minutes earlier. The dead is rising from the dead and eating the flesh of the humans. What was the point of going back the same plot point? I mean, uh, I don't get that. I, 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 think it's, I think it's down to the times. I mean, like you think of it today, you've got you know, live TV pause, you can pause stuff, re go over everything. Back then, it was like, you know, you, you didn't have home entertainment in that respect. So, you know, maybe maybe they just thought, well, we'll just remind people in a different way than we did 10 minutes ago that why this is happening and, and stuff. It's it's very easy for these. I mean, we're, we are used to Blu-rays and DVDs and VHSs when I was growing up and stuff. You could rewind and look back on something and things like that. Whereas this, back then... You know, if there was no guarantee that you'd actually ever watch this in your home. So yeah, that's you know. true, actually. Yeah, think about it because VHS didn't hit homes until what 88, 87, 88. Uh, probably around then. Yeah, I mean, I always remember having a VHS as a kid and being like yeah. a sort of science project trying to bloody time that thing. Up. Yeah, yeah, and these things were expensive. I mean, yeah, they bloody was. Yeah, we yeah, had to rent so, it for the first few years. We were renting one. Yes, yes, it was ridiculous. So, because think about it, the, Friday, the first four Friday the 13s have the whole recap of the ending of the previous movie, because of the fact, uh, yeah. 
you couldn't watch it again because you had to wait till it was on the big screen. So, okay, I'll let you be with that one. It was 68 after all. Um, yeah. Yes, on to the director Cameo and Camden Hitchcock. George Romaro <laughs> playing the news reporter that asked the general and the scientist the scientist specific question which never answer and apparently they were always arrested because they didn't have permits to film in washington uh, uh, again, washington dc that sounds like an indie film <laughs> yes i was going to ask it does that, this happen a lot it, well it, you just yeah but you just don't say <laughs> mm, okay, okay. <laughs> and the person playing the general is the writer john russell and that's his actual army uniform. And he was almost arrested for impersonating an officer. <laughs> it's like, what else could go wrong and stuff, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's proper guerrilla-style filmmaking, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and again, that is, you know, I find some of the best films are, are from that kind of style. Because mm-hmm. they, 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 you know, I people work so hard on these films, and people forget that sometimes. And the, the lower the budget you've got for things, the more harder people are working and stuff. And and I think, um, you know, I, I just appreciate it more like this. If you want to go and watch something like, you know, The Avengers or something, which is quite a, got 400 million quid thrown at it or stuff, mm. you know, I just, I, the, I'm sure there's passion there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm an old school filmmaker in a sense. I just prefer to, just to kind of, indulge that on set and stuff and things like that and not yeah. be not be trying filming something in front of a blue screen or a green screen or something and stuff well, yes. physically yeah, exactly. I know, I, I, yeah i know what i've got then yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm sure Romero, Romero was probably the same he knows exactly what he's got so when he's editing it in his head you know he, he knows what he's got he knows he doesn't need anything else and like that. so mm, exactly sometimes the smaller budget the better the movie i mean look at yeah. anyone else street halloween yes i've got to mention that one halloween and cycle yeah. $60,000 budget, I believe, and we have the icon that is Psycho. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think he used his um, TV series crew yes, as well. his TV yeah. crew, yeah, 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 yeah. So, there we have it. And, of course, the original Friday the 13th was a very low-budget movie. Yeah, yeah, with Mrs. Voorhees having very hairy, very hairy <laughs> arms. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, back to this movie. Isn't this the easiest and cheapest way to get a film made? Think about it. A small cast, one location, a big bad outside, i.e. the zombies, and infighting inside a trapped location. So why does this movie not work? You know? Well, I, I, I'd, I'd say it does work, personally. I, I, but that's just, just me. <laughs> I, 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 I'm far more interested in the conflict that's going on inside the house. And then you add the zombies on top of it, and it's kind of like this... You know, you're, you're escalating the um, the narrative, and the, you know you're upsetting the equilibrium and stuff. So I, I kind of think it works, but then I'm you know I'm saying that from a, a writing perspective. Okay, then. okay. See, for me, I don't like the fact that there's so much infighting between the humans. It's like, can we just agree in one thing? <laughs> I get the fuck out of this place and stop invading yeah. constantly for crying out loud. It's like that was working my last nerve to be to, telling the truth. Speaking of a plan, a plan was hatched for Tom to drive the truck that Ben drove in on uh, mm. to fuel up the truck on a fuel pump outside the house. So, okay then, as Harry throws a Molotov cocktail to scare away the zombies, because again, zombies get a fire, it's a great yeah. plan, except it fucks up because Harry can't throw a cocktail for shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um, oh, and I will say, 
the zombie on fire is the co-writer and all he's wearing is a denim shirt some jeans and that's it under that suit he's not wearing any flame retarding stuff at all fuck that <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's suffering for your almond, I guess. <laughs> so that's he's actually on fire and he was told to go to the end of the, the truck and fall to his knees and he'd be sprayed out with a fire extinguisher by somebody fucked up and he actually burned for a good couple of minutes afterwards. What the fuck? I think that's the dangers of, of a low budget movie then. Well, I've, I can't say we've ever put anybody on fire, so <laughs> no kidding. I can't. I can't relate in that respect, but I can. <laughs> I can appreciate somebody's uh, method acting there. Mm. I guess. But you know, it, it's it's like you say these 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 films are done on very cheap. Um, you don't have the resources that you know Marvel could throw at something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I I think it's you, you think more about your storytelling. You've got more emphasis on your storytelling and things like that and you know and i think it was um uh the film historian was it robin robin wood yeah that was him and he said you know there's a lot of the idea that the zombies represent uh capitalism you know it's a critique of 1960s american capitalism um yeah so you've got you've got that so it's like the it's basically the the um i think what was he trying to think of a quote cannibalism represents the ultimate in possessiveness, hence the logical end of human relations under capitalism. That's mm, what it, something like that. Um, and then he, the, what, what he then said was he, the, the, the victims symbolised the oppression uh, of something called the other. Maybe you've heard on film studies, it's, it's the other is kind of like um, the civil rights movement, feminists, uh, mm. gay people, basically everybody who isn't white and successful and a uh, selfish git basically capitalism so everybody else who's suffering under that system so well people who are being uh repressed so like you said you know uh feminism homosexuality the civil rights movement that was going on at the time and stuff you know the sexual revolution that was going to a decade afterwards what, what a lot of people said and i think well, hopefully i'm saying this right because i'm trying to remember i've just turning off the top of my head but i remember woods <laughs> that, um the zombie victims represented the repression of the, all these minority groups you know the, the other in a sense um okay and, and you can see that because you know ben is killed at the end mm-hmm. and i think so, great glee yeah. and killing him yeah, yeah they do yeah so th- th- you've got that you've got uh feminism like, like you've said you know with with um with barbara you know mm. she is a victim and she's kind of this victim of this this system that's told her that you know she hasn't men should do everything and do you know what I mean? So maybe that's the reason why she's in panic mode a lot. Mm. Yeah. Although someone tells me she's been more coddled through her entire life. I mean, back at the graveyard, back at the graveyard, how Scottish is that? The graveyard, um, Johnny mocks her for saying, you were scared as a child. They're coming to get you, Barbara stuff. And What a bastard. bastard. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I'm going, was she more coddled as a kid? Was she the favourite kid? I mean, is Johnny the older brother? Is she the younger sister? Um, and she just represses back to being a child. So I'm thinking, okay then. But one thing I do like, if we talk about feminism, uh, feminism stuff there, Tom's girlfriend runs out to save him. But fortunately, she gets stuck in the, the truck and it blows up and the two of them are barbecued. So it sort of backfires there. And as I said earlier... <laughs> Uh, that's real livers and real guts news. Yeah. Um, because they are they are these nice kids. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kids. So when, when, and you know, and that's down to the writing and the performances, and you cared enough about these people that if something happens to them, it actually wins, it kind of wins you almost like you saw it. Mm. But like I said, when when that happens at the end, I remember the first time I watched Night of Living Dead, and that ending was just horrendous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, absolutely horrendous seeing him just got through all this night and stuff and he was the most resourceful one he's saved people and stuff and these you know bloody you know bloody gunslingers and stuff just shoot him on side mm. so. one thing i do love is when ben runs back inside the house once the whole shit is a fan and the truck's now exploded he beats the living fuck out of harry because harry has locked the door behind him and he yeah. won't let him in i was like you fucking yeah. asshole so he knocks him out and shoots him here i mean he's here for that one as, as you mentioned, the gun nuts, uh, the chief of police, Chief McClelland, played by George uh, Kozner, cockily claims he would kill them all in a matter of hours. Okay then, fast forward to yeah. Day of the Dead, and there's less than a thousand people. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah, that was a plan that worked. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, they're all slow moving, just hit them on the head with a, with a club and shoot them in the, and, and they'll die quick easy. Uh, there's about fucking 50,000 of them. Well done, mate. You know, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sure somebody would have had Lucille as well somewhere. So Negan could have got his nice little basket. Mm. Like his mm. basket. Uh, bloody, not basket, sorry. Baseball uh, bat, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's, it's late. It's Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I do love the fact uh, it's the whole gun argument. I have a gun, therefore I'm perfectly fine. But... They don't have the gun because Ben has a gun throughout most of this movie and the guns are pretty much useless against the zombies. I mean, fair enough, he's shooting them in the, in the stomach, he's shooting them on the guts and uh, the shoulders and such. But again, there's 10, 15 zombies per person. Yeah. So were guns going to be useful for this one? Not really. Yeah, not really. They're going to run out eventually. Mm. So. Mm. Uh, what was it I say again? A good guy with a gun can beat a bad guy with a gun just as well. Uh, okay then, moving on. I'm not going to this whole NRA fucking gun rights lobby oh, crap. And I love the fact in this movie, the zombies use tools to break into the house. Uh, so it's not in Land of the Dead, yeah. then it happens here. Because they pick yeah, up yeah. A, a club and smash the door open. So, and again, they're, they're, you know, they're intelligent. Well, they're, they're not like intelligent, but they, they have, you know, motor functions still going somewhere that allows them to, to think and stuff. I always kind of equate it to the bit in Jurassic Park where the raptor starts opening the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's cool. And it, it, it makes them more, um, you know, threatening as, as you know, as the, the antagonists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, like I said, so Ben has now shot Harry. He's now in the basement, dying painfully and slowly. And his little girl comes to back to the dead and eats him. And then, sadly, the, the wife goes down to get killed. So this little girl kills both parents in a matter of minutes. Is that bad writing? Uh, well, no, because like, like you said, you know, you, you middle bit, you was like, oh, this is boring, this is boring. And then now you've got to all these deaths and stuff. It's like, yeah, you've got to pay off. Um, I... I, I, I... I mean, if you look at Night of the Living Dead, it's, it's not only like that film that's very social commentary, but it kind of sets that three-act structure going off that you get in a lot of zombie films where, you know, the 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 outbreak happens, people get into a place, the majority of the second act or the middle act takes place in that 
location and then the zombies do start to get in people mm. fight for their lives and and it's it's one of those things where the 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 storyline has been used countless and recycled countless times since mm-hmm. uh, yeah even yeah. ramiro is even ramiro's done it to be fair he's, done it, he's recycled his own ideas and stuff so mm-hmm. you know like I said, this this is genesis you know the the, the world's first zombie movie uh, yeah. of modern zombie that is not not voodoo magic so yeah. he was onto the thing. I love the fact that Johnny goes back back from the dead to kill Barbara. You know, <laughs> he's the one that, that kills her. Yeah. He's the one that grabs out of the house and drags into the uh, the horde to be eaten or eaten rather. To be fair, so, he, he probably just wanted to go and actually put the flowers back on the grave or something, maybe. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> For so God's sake, Barbara, you had one thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing. So Ben is now completely fucked. Zombies are inside the house. There's nowhere to go except in the basement. He goes down there and shoots Harry dead, and then shoots the wife dead. And now what? He's out of bullets and he's out of time. He is completely and utterly fucked. What yeah. happens next? Disneyland, <laughs> you know? Oh, that, that would be that would be a nice ending, wouldn't it? Really, I guess. I guess, but it, 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 yeah. I mean, the ending is is quite. I think I've said this quite numerous times throughout this this podcast now, but I think the ending. I think if you hadn't have had that ending, it wouldn't have um, it wouldn't have had the same kind of peril it does today. And like I said, it was tapping into a theme that's still, unfortunately, still very um, seems to be getting more and more uh, prominent again in these mm-hmm. times. Unfortunately, yeah. which is a disgrace to the whole of our species because just you know get along with each other for Christ's sake, you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, but obviously that film that film shows us that we can't and uh, we couldn't at the time and it was way ahead of its time in that respect in terms of themes and that's probably why it's so powerful still to be fair mm-hmm. yeah like I said I go back and watch it when I can I mean like I said I mean it's the first time I watched it in a while the other day just for this and stuff and forgetting a few little bits and bobs because I hadn't seen it for a while. And, and it kind of had that same impact on me. I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. Jesus. You know, and these kind of outdated views that are in it and stuff. And, but then it's almost like, it, like when I've taught, when I've taught film studies at work, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like looking at a history book. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can, you can see what we were doing at certain points in time and just go, that was fucked up basically mm. <laughs> in that respect it's still fucked up today so mm. just in a different way yeah exactly yeah. i mean I, I love the fact that the sheriff and his douchebag posses are going oh we can kill all these zombies da, 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 and they shoot the one person that actually survived a whole night yeah. and yeah. shoot him dead one shot to the what was it the guts they shot him it's just shoot him in the head oh they shot him in the head right okay then okay then the head, and then the gleefully set fire to him. Actually, yeah. <laughs> and it's, so, it's even like there's any kind of, it's, it's, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's. I think if I remember right, they, because obviously you got the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King as well. So apparently, apparently, uh, when Romaro was driving it to New York to get its first viewing, he had on radio. He was getting shot that night or that day rather. So that was an interesting thing. Was he ahead of the curb? <laughs> or did mm-hmm. you just know it was going to happen? Was it when he was trying to, like say, when he was trying to get distribution for the film, was it as well? Yes. It's kind of, yes, it's kind of like how, 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 
God, how synced up can you get with that kind of that kind of horrible thing that's going on? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's like, <laughs> it's like how, how how fucked up is that? No, so oh, I don't know. I wouldn't even like to be in that kind of position. No, so. no. Like I said, he was terif- terrified. He was driving through New York with these cans on his knees. <laughs> And here's on radio, he's now been, Martin well, Luther King has been shot. Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to change. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that he stuck to his guns and showed mm-hmm. it because, you know, obviously it's such a, a terrible event and, and shocking event and, and, you know, fucking evil event to shoot anybody, never mind, you know, what, what colour they are. But, you know, Martin Luther King and is an icon today still. And I think, you know, that, that again, that kind of history, historical moment resonates. And mm. I think maybe not through not through any kind of planning on their part or choice, Night of the Living Dead kind of um, tapped into it, I guess, in a sense, in, in um, you know, not in a not in a um, any kind of planned way or anything, but you know, just tapped into it. And um, like I say, we were talking about it what fifty one years later or something, now, is it? Or yeah, yeah, fifty two, I think fifty one, fifty two, yeah, something like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm going to say something quite psychologist here, but time for my wrap-up. Okay. Uh, so that, that was Night of Living Dead. It is Genesis for zombie movies and culturally important, but I say give this one a miss because it's nothing but people infighting and very little action. For all of this repetition of its gore and its disgusting and its, its zombies eating stuff and cannibalism stuff, there's very little of that in this movie. This is boring. It is slow, and I didn't care for anyone on screen. From the useless Barbara to the selfish arsehole Harry, even our hero Ben isn't all that great a good guy after he knocks Barbara out stone cold. You just punch her in the face. So I'm going to give this thing... I make it actually shit for this. I'm going to give this thing a 2 out of 10. This is for hardcore zombie fans only. I think... I I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. Like I said, I might get shit for this, but I just didn't didn't like it. Like I said, the music was was just too bizarre. I didn't like the constant infighting. I didn't like nothing happens and they repeat the same plot point at least two times. So, eh. I loved it, folks. Just for the same reason, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Try to keep it a, bal- a balance for you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And we come back next week as I look at Night of the Demons and then the following week for Night of the Comet. I want to thank Dave for covering this for a second, covering this with me. So is there anything you want to promote? Punt? <laughs> Punt? Oh, God. Um, you put me on the spot now. Um, uh, if you want to find out more, just go to uk. And most of the stuff's on there. But it was just, just thanks for having me on, mate. It's nice to talk film. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, you give me an interesting uh, perspective. Because usually I just sit and nitpick a movie to shreds, rip it to shreds. Um, but you've given an interesting look at how the film can be actually important, you know, and how low-budget films are actually the bread and butter of the film industry. None of these big blockbuster movies would be done if it wasn't for smaller independent no, movies completely agree with you there yeah they said they said you know these these films you notice a lot of big film directors start on these mm-hmm. ones yes yes spielberg, yes spielberg did spielberg did so so yeah but thanks thanks for having me on lovely 
get him. So anyway, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me your suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise horror podcasts of Fright Night, House, Scary Movie, and more. Also, my solo podcast of The Fog, They Live, Dracula, and many, many more. Check out my second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, on Anchor, where every fortnight, myself and my co-host look at all things B to Z, the very best of the very bad. You can also follow uh, Dave on Twitter at... Oh, right. Okay, that was my cue. Um, at, <laughs> yes, I was just kidding. Uh, at the underscore Dr. 1310. Okay then. Okay. Anyway, goodbye. And remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. Also, uh, if a zombie attacks you, shoot him in the fucking head. Eh, bye.